Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from the Oakland Coliseum. I can't believe they still play baseball there in front of 3,035 reported people. I don't even know if it was that many. The final, it's the Cleveland Guardians 12, the Oakland Athletics 11 in 10 innings. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And, you know, I'm always honest with you morning people, and I was exhausted last night. Uh, We're going to get to some emails, but Rick and Austin talked about... uh, I'm lucky to live in the central time zone and not have to get up early. The Guardia kids are back. You certainly will have a lot to talk about this game. Uh, he talks about a few more things, but uh, it's hard to sleep after all that excitement. No, Rick. No, it was not hard for me. I passed out in this one. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I fell asleep in the middle inning or in the late innings. Uh, I was watching uh, the ninth inning. Uh, on my phone with the lights out in bed. And once, uh, once it went into extra innings, my eyes were just done. So I had to get up this morning, had to watch the highlights, see what went down. I had confidence in our boys. I had confidence in them. So, uh, yeah, the guardians pull out a weird, wild win, but Hey, uh, you know, the old saying, just win, baby, just win. And that's what the guardians did again. Again, in September, we're going to look back on this game, and it's just going to be a W. But today, we get to analyze the crap out of it. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of this game. Because, oh my God, the twists and turns and dips and dives that the momentum took in this one. Actually, let's go look at the win probability line. Yeah, it's kind of all over the place. Ah, Oakland held control for a long time as far as the win probability line is concerned. Uh, from the bottom of the second to the top of the eighth, it is in their favor, uh, and then jumps up to the guards' favor after the eighth inning. After we come back and tie the game up, and uh, set ourselves up, uh, I know, take the lead actually, and set ourselves up for uh, for a chance to win. So of course it goes into extra innings, and guess who came out on top again? The away team. I told you, I think the away team has the advantage in extra innings. And it proved right again in the 10th inning as the guards put up two. Oakland's only able to muster one in the bottom of the 10th off Eli Morgan. And he gets out of there. Uh, Does Classe get the blown, (laughs) the old blown save win? Yep, that's exactly what Classe gets. Uh, And Eli Morgan comes in and gets the save in the 10th inning. So, uh, all right, let's get into some of this. Uh, I did get, so I got two emails to finish off Rick's email. Uh, the Guardia kids are back. You certainly will have a lot to talk about with this game. In the ninth inning, I thought that Curry should be, uh, in the ninth inning, I thought that Curry should be the MVP of the game, Xavion Curry. When Classe shockingly allowed the home run and it went in extra innings, I thought there may be a new MVP. Of course, it was Jose that stole the show in the 10th and deserves MVP. It will be up to you to decide. That's why you make the big bucks. I'll be listening. It's hard to sleep after all that excitement. Go guards from Rick. And uh, Tony is going to start us off here uh, at the top of the game. He said, well, at least Plesak didn't punch something and break his hand tonight. Probably, he puts in quotation marks. So thank you, Tony. Thank you, Rick, for chiming in and being part of the conversation. You can, too. It's Morning's at gmail.com. And 
Tony's right. I think I think with a game like this, you just kind of have to go in chronological order. Because really the top storyline of this game is sloppy defense, right? I mean, both teams are really, really, they're only credited with one error each. But I'm not even sure how. Um, the one that drops in center field between... Ahmed Rosario and Miles Straw. Yeah, that's not going to get an error. The ball just dropped. You know, Ahmed was clearly calling for it, and the breeze was blowing it way offline for him. Straw should have just taken over. Straw is the general in center field. It's always going to be his call to call off that infielder. He should have just taken over. But all right, so a little bad communication there. It doesn't go down as an error. Um, Andres Jimenez had one deep in the hole then that kind of eats him up on a bad bounce. If he charges and is a little more aggressive, he gets it before the bounce. Instead, he sits back, has to handle a hard bounce. He's able to keep it in front of him, which is great. It's just maybe a slower runner. He's able to make the play at first. The guy beats it out at first base. Uh, Ahmed Rosario had one that bounced over his glove that he should have come up with, kind of a diving attempt that he should have come up with, and then eventually gets the error on a high throw. Um, I think that's the official error is the throw uh, where he overthrows first base. So bad defense there. Uh, and then on the other side of things, the athletics, I'm sure there's other bad defensive plays you can find throughout this game. But the one that I remember for sure is the one that goes under Connor Capella's glove in right field. Obviously, it's a huge moment late in the game uh, off the bat of Jose Ramirez that allows a run to come all the way around to score. So that was a big, big, important run at the time. It was. I mean, otherwise, a two-run home run wins the game in the ninth inning. So uh, it was a huge momentum swing. And then uh, it's not an error, but it's a defensive play that should be made. Jose Ramirez scampering home, uh, tagging up in the 10th inning. He had no business tagging up from third base like that. Uh, so an incredible, incredible play there to score uh, on the sacrifice fly. And that would be... Uh, no, that wouldn't be the deciding run of the game. When was the scamper home? Uh, the scamper home was in the... Um, was in the uh, eighth inning. That's right. It was in the eighth inning. So that was the difference maker run. So his triple gives us the lead. And then his scamper home on the Josh Bell sack fly down the left field line to Seth Brown... That would give us the two-run lead in the eighth inning. That would be the different. That would help when Seth Brown hits a two-run home run in the ninth inning. So Ramirez coming up huge in that eighth inning. But yeah, it's not an error. Nobody did anything wrong per se from Oakland's defense, but they got to be able to make that play right. You can't let a guy tag up when you're that close in left field. You can't allow that to happen. But that's what Ramirez does. He he makes the impossible possible, right? Boy, what a cliche statement. Uh, but he he hustles harder than everybody. And again, sets that example, man. Sets that tempo. Shows this team they're not going to have any fear on the base paths. Just straight beats it. Just straight beats the throw. Gets his hand in there. So sloppy defense just all over the place. All over for both teams. Bad decisions. Um, I 
I'm not going to be able to count up all the ways these teams screwed up defensively, but there were way too many of them. That's how you end up with a 12-11 game. You're not going to end up in a 12-11 game without some bad defensive plays out there. All right, so let's get into it. Let's start at the beginning. And uh, Plesak, the Guardians actually get off to a great start. Two runs in the first inning. Uh, if you you recognize, this is the first game where Quan leads off with a hit. He leads off with a double, and look at the magic it creates. Now, we cannot expect that from him for 162 games, right? No no leadoff hitter is going to go 162 for 162 with getting on base in that first inning. But the first time he gets on base in the first inning, boom, it turns into a two-run rally. You'll love to see it. You'll love to see it. And, you know, we had to work for it, too. Uh, but eventually, Naylor and uh, Andres Jimenez come up. They were huge in the middle of the lineup tonight. You know, I I hesitated for a second. Two lefties back-to-back in the lineup. It's not like uh, Terry Francona to do that very often. He likes to leave himself some flexibility there. But he figured, I'm giving Oscar Gonzalez the night off. I'm just going to go best hitter to my next best hitter. And that's how Naylor and Andres Jimenez end up back-to-back, and they make Caparillion pay. I, I may not be saying that right. I, I, I heard it on the broadcast a bunch of times. I think I know someone named Caparillion, and it just that's the way I'm going to be able to pronounce that name. James Caparillion. James K. Uh, struggled against Naylor and Andres Jimenez. They jumped on him a lot. I mean, he gave up seven runs, or seven hits, five runs, on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven hard-hit balls. So everybody kind of jumped on him over his five innings. But Naylor and Jimenez in the middle of the lineup definitely did a lot of damage there. Um, and so did the top. I mean, everybody. Everybody got on the hit parade except for Josh Bell. Uh, he's lucky to get a sack fly in the eighth inning. Other than that, Bell was uh, a blank spot in the lineup. He is His timing is not there. I mean, let's be honest. Bell is struggling the only thing saving him right now is some walks early in the season but he's not going to be batting fourth for very long if he if it keeps going like this so uh it'll be interesting to see how long it takes Francona to make a move there make Naylor the cleanup hitter and maybe drop Bell down a little bit until he figures things out and he is a guy that I believe can figure things out with the the big article I read about Josh Bell in the offseason that we were talking about on this show was how he was struggling really bad in the first half of the season and was able to work with the hitting coach, look at film, studied film like crazy, figured out what he was doing wrong, and completely turned things around in the second half of the season. So hopefully it doesn't take him that long to figure things out. Hopefully, maybe by let's give him the guy some, some time. Maybe by May he figures things out. Uh, not everybody has to be hot at the same time in the lineup. So maybe by May he can figure things out. Work with this, you know, Valeka and the new hitting team here in Cleveland and get this thing going. So, um, yeah, we put up two in the first inning. Uh, Naylor shoots one up the middle. Andres Jimenez shoots a double down the right field line. And we're off to a nice 2-0 lead. Plesek looks like he's going to get out of that first inning. But those two defensive plays I talked about, the pop-up in center field, the uh, ball hit deep in the hole to Andres Jimenez at second base that turns into a base hit, Keep the inning going. They put a run across. That's where Plesek, I think that's what uh, Tony is referring to there. Uh, Plesek looked very, very pissed off. He does not hide his emotions well. And uh, he wanted to get out of that inning. What should have been, I think, less than a 20-pitch inning pushed him like over the 30-pitch mark. And, 
I think he knows the impact that that could have had on him late in the game, except he does not last late in the game. Second inning, bottom of the second inning, we have a nice 2-1 lead for him, and he just blows up. They go off for five runs against him in that second inning, and they did it the Guardians' way. I mean, they just rallied with base hits. Ruiz with a double to left field, uh, brings in Noda to score. Langoliers goes to third. Tony Kemp singles on a line drive to right field. Langoliers comes in to score. Ruiz goes to third. They're just running the bases, taking extra bases, going and going and going. Jace Peterson then with a big three-run home run to cap off the inning. And that'd be it for Plesak. He wouldn't even record an out in the second inning. Curry would have to come in and pitch the complete inning. So uh, what was going on with Plesak? Well, I mean... The, play, the CSW numbers, the, his four-seam fastball was getting a few strikes for him, but the changeup in the slider uh, and even the fastball, they weren't missing. They weren't missing the fastball. Seven fastballs put in play. Uh, and if we go over to the Illustrator and we just look at the results, everything's kind of down the middle. And there's a big grouping here. The, the double hit by Ruiz is a fastball down the middle that's a little bit up above the belt. The home run by Jace Peterson was a changeup, but still kind of at the belt, uh, a little bit, a little bit down uh, in a way I believe. I believe Peterson is a left-handed hitter. Um, But yeah, still down the middle. And then a bunch of singles grouped in the middle of the plate. There's some down at the knees, but still the middle of the plate. Langoliers, and Capel both hit singles from down at the knees, but middle of the plate. The only one to really go get one was Ryan Noda. He took one off the place, but still at the belt, so still bad locations. I mean, if you were to draw a cross grid here, he's going across either the middle of the plate or down the middle of the plate vertically. So um, it is not uh, it is not a location you want to be in, and so. Man, I we were all worried about Plesak. I He'll probably have his games. Yes, uh, Jace Peterson does bat left-handed. Uh, so that changeup was a little bit down and away for him. We were all a little bit worried about Plesak this spring and whether he was going to be able to get it together. And he, he wasn't his first start. I mean, my brother was so excited to play Oakland. He goes, dude, they scored three runs the entire opening series. Two runs, then one run, then nothing. He was so excited. The run differential was like minus 17. Yeah, he was he's like, we're going to walk all over these guys. And sure enough, Plesak gets blown up right away in the second inning. And yeah, suddenly the Oakland Athletics can score runs now. So Xavion Curry would have to come in. And let's be honest. I mean, what a job. I l- went back and looked at Curry's numbers from last year, right? His two starts. Hunter Gaddis's problem was home runs, right? Wasn't the problem for Curry. He did get hit around a lot, especially in the first start. In the second start, it was walks. I think he had five walks in his second start to go with five hits. That's going to get you in so much trouble at the major league level. So what does Curry do in this game? Goes five innings in relief. Three, you know, he remember he's been stretched out as a starter. He was supposed to go down and start at um, AAA. But because Gaddis gets bumped into the rotation, Curry comes up into our bullpen, but he's still stretched out. He goes five innings, three hits, two earned runs, no walks, no walks, three strikeouts, does give up the one home run. Um, On 55 pitches, he's only hard hit four times. Honestly, if you're calling up Xavion Curry for, you know, a rainout doubleheader or something like that, a spot start 
uh, because someone needs a week off. And they go, anyone, anyone from AAA goes five innings, three hits, two runs, no walks, three strikeouts on 55 pitches. You would be very, very excited about that spot start. That is a quality, quality start for someone getting called up from AAA to help out to pitch in, to fill in somewhere. So good on Xavier Curry for getting that going. Now, uh, he wasn't, again, he wasn't getting my, his CSW numbers aren't great, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, was not getting a lot of swing and miss. They were all over his slider on nine swings, one whiff, but seven put in play. On three swings on his changeup, three put in play. Uh, he got a few whiffs and called strikes on his four-seam fastball, but it's an 18% CSW total on the day. So not really, really missing very much here. Uh, exit velocity, the average exit velocity on his fastball was 77.7. So something about that fastball was working on the day for him. And it's the pitch he threw the most. The slider and the changeup they were hitting, it was 90.1 on the slider was the average exit velocity and 95 on the changeup. So... Uh, not like Curry was having an easy day out there, but he was at least making it work here. In, in fact, the strikeouts, the three strikeouts all came on pitches kind of uh, on the plate. Uh, he was challenging him, four-seam fastball, four-seam fastball, and four-seam fastball. He was challenging him on the plate with that fastball. Uh, you're not going to win that often on the plate like that at the major league level. Uh, so what was he trying to do? Uh, I think he was trying to throw the fat. He was throwing the fastball to all four quadrants. He was definitely letting the slider rip across the plate uh, through a few curveballs that missed out there. Uh, the changeups were sitting middle of the plate. I can see why all three of these changeups were put in play because they're pretty much dead down the middle of the plate. So he's probably going to want to work that changeup more to the, uh, the the arm side of the plate for him, the right-handed pitcher, and let that slider sweep across. That's probably going to be a little more effective for him. So it looks like he was trying to throw the fastball up high in the zone to let that off-speed stuff sit lower in the zone, but it didn't. It's not exactly where it ended up for him. So uh, I can see why they were making contact off of that off-speed stuff. He also has a lot of sliders grouped above the belt on the plate. Uh, so yeah, there's a big grouping of them there. So I can see why they were kind of teeing off on some of his off-speed stuff. But he makes it work, and he gets us through this game now. Uh, we would, our offense would get going and they would respond, right? We put up three in the top of the fourth inning. They would respond, uh, in the bottom of the fifth. So it wasn't exactly, you know, we talk all the time about being able to put up a zero after your team scores. Uh, Curry was able to do that. He puts up a zero in the fourth inning, but then in the fifth inning, they come back and, uh, get those runs across. So they do find a response, um, for us on a Ramon Laureano home run. And uh, oh, that's right. I looked up Seth Brown's numbers. We will get to Seth Brown home run numbers in a second here. But, uh, you know, it was a nice little rally in the fourth. Naylor with a solo home run. I thought that was big, especially because zeros were put up on the board in the third inning. This home run here by Naylor, right? It's a 6-2 to two game at the time. And you might be thinking, ah, maybe our offense is stalling out here. Maybe Caparellian is settling down. And uh, Naylor with a big solo home run. I told you he drove James K crazy. Um, but it, it reminded the bench that, you know, we score runs on this team. Like, we are not going to go quietly into the night. Like, we are going to continue to fight. So a big solo home run here. Frankly, maybe that, maybe that woke us up. I mean, after two shutout innings 
up at the plate. Maybe Naylor's home run wakes us up because we put together a nice little rally behind him. Miles Straw eventually delivers the RBI double uh, down the left field line. You know, the other thing in this game, I'm not going to be able to go and find them all. I'm not going to be able to, but there were a lot of guys. I remember specifically Brennan and Straw who were down in the count 0-2 and either battled back in the front, into, you know, in the counts or just worked at 0-2. Brennan worked at 0-2 for a long time fouling off pitches. If so much hadn't happened in this game, I would go back and look up this matchup. But he battled and battled and fouled off pitches and eventually turns it into a base hit. So being able to battle down 0-2 is one of the reasons that this team is so maddening, so frustrating to play against. Uh, and it happened multiple times in this game. I'm not going to be able to find them all. But you know. You know if you watch this game, you know what happened. You remember those foul balls. You remember those at-bats where we just dragged them on and dragged them on and eventually turned it into something positive. So Straw with a nice I mean, with a nice game. Straw's hitting 313 with an 825 OPS to start the season there from the 9-hole. Do I want to see him move out of the nine hole? No, he's perfect right where he is. Perfect. Uh, he keeps this going, man. Suddenly that long-term contract he signed, which last year we were kicking ourselves about, looks fantastic. Um, so keep it going, Miles Straw. Maybe, uh, you know, happy Miles Straw. Maybe that's a thing. Maybe, maybe he's feeling happy this season, smiling a little more, walking a little lighter in his shoes. Uh, there have definitely been athletes that are like that, where when they're in a good mood, man, they are the best you know, on the field. And when they're in a bad mood, it affects their play so much. I, I can't help but remember, there, there was a kid I went to high school with. Uh, he was shortstop on our Little League teams. Uh, he was a running back in high school. And this kid was so affected by his mood. I, I hope he's not listening. Um he was so affected by his mood. He made one error at shortstop, and my dad was coaching at the time, and we'd look at each other, and we knew it was over. It was over. He wasn't going to get a hit for the rest of the day. The rest of the day was going to be a disaster from one error. If he played clean baseball, he was the best player on the diamond. Uh, so, yeah, so mood can really affect uh, what goes on out there. So maybe happy Miles Straw is a thing. Uh, so Loriana Wood homer to center. Curry eventually, yeah, he gives up the home run. Um and they stretch out the lead again. But here's where it's important. You got to be able to put a zero up on the board. And in that sixth inning, we answer right back. They put up two. They stretch their lead out in the bottom of the fifth. We answer right back in the sixth. Quan is able to uh, hit a sack fly. Uh, Zanino is able to come in to score. And then Ahmed Rosario is able to single. And Will Brennan comes in to score. So a nice job rallying uh, the bottom of the lineup, flipping it over to the top of the lineup. We talked about how important that is. And then in the eighth inning, again, we put together that rally. Ahmed Rosario out on a sack fly. Miles Straw comes in to score. And then Jose Ramirez with the triple. And then eventually scoring on the sack fly. So three big runs in the eighth inning. And yeah, I mean, Oakland... Oakland's team has been sold off and, and pieces and parts and put this thing together. And, uh, you know, one of the hardest things to do when you're doing that, when you're stripping your team every year, is put together effective bullpen. I mean, it's hard enough to put together a rotation to then worry about the bullpen. And the bullpen falters. Sam Mole is the only one out there that doesn't give up a run. Uh, Familia, Acevedo, and May all give up runs from the athletics bullpen. So it's hard to win if your bullpen uh, is not shutting things down. And speaking of which, Xavier, Cur- uh, not Xavier Curry, uh, 
Emmanuel Classe in the ninth inning. Seth Brown, he walks uh, Diaz. He actually had two walks in this inning. So clearly things weren't right uh, with Classe. No strikeouts and two walks. And they were they were ready for him. And he puts one down the middle to Seth Brown. And Seth Brown absolutely crushes it. Now, uh, I remember someone on the broadcast saying that Seth Brown hits the Guardians well. Seth Brown does not just hit the Guardians well. Seth Brown owns the American League Central Division. His top OPSs, now he's got a 2,000 OPS against the Mets, but he's only played in three games against them, so we'll leave that as an outlier. The next three, the Royals he's played 16 times, the Twins 11 times, the White Sox 11 times, the Guardians 14 times. Enlisted, he's got an over uh, an 1,100 OPS against the Royals, over 1,000 OPS against the Twins and the White Sox, and he's a 994 OPS against your Cleveland Guardians. And yeah, he's got six home runs against the Guardians, uh, the most against any team. And I don't know if baseball reference is updated from yesterday. So he's got the most home runs of any team he's ever faced is the Cleveland Guardians. So yeah, Seth Brown does. Now, if you remember, I wondered, I remember it took a, like, Class A went so long last season without giving up a home run. And, uh, now, he didn't give up many home runs total on the season. Uh, let's see here. He gave up, in 2022, he gave up three home runs total on the entire year. 2021, two home runs total on the entire year. But if we go to the game logs from 2022, the Kansas City Royals did jump on him in the second game. They put up a home run. He had a walk. He gave up a home run. So, yeah, uh, this happened to him last year. And now, early in the season, the Oakland Athletics have also jumped on him for a home run. So, this happened before to Classe, and then he went like two straight months. Uh, when was the next home run he gave up? Uh, the next one he gave up was in July. So, yeah, he goes three months, basically, without giving up a home run after that. Will that happen this year? No. No two seasons are alike. But... Uh, I have confidence that Classe will figure out what happened last night and he will be able to settle that back down. So Eli Morgan has to battle with that runner on second base, does give up a hit, but gets a strikeout, gets out of it, figures it out in the 10th inning, survives the 10th inning after the Guardians are able to get things done in the top of the 10th. Jose Ramirez would single on a line drive to Connor Capel. Stephen Kwan would score. Ahmed Rosario would go to third. And then on a wild pitch, Ahmed Rosario would come in to score. So the Guardians did just enough. Again, bad defense. Bad defense. A wild pitch. Ball getting past the catcher. Allows the Guardians to put the go-ahead run across. So bad defense basically settles this game. And that's all my thoughts. That's all I got. Whew, it was a lot to get through. This game had everything. So MVP on the day. Ooh, ooh you know what? You know, I know Jose Ramirez was so big in those late innings, but there's so much offensively here. So many people contributed. We've got Quan, Rosario, Ramirez, Naylor, Jimenez, and Straw all with multi-hit games. I don't think there's anyone offensively that you, you stood out. You know, so many people contributed. It's hard to give out MVP of the day, right? Naylor is the MVP early in the game. Ramirez might be the MVP offensively late in the game. Uh, so I think I am going to have to go with Xavion Curry because he stepped up to the plate. Nobody stepped up to a challenge tonight bigger than Xavion Curry. Giving us those five innings. Uh, didn't even mention Tim Herring got back in the game. 
Uh, he had two more strikeouts. Does give up his first major league hit, but two more strikeouts for him. Man, that guy could be the secret weapon of the 2023 season. Karen Check has a nice good inning. Two strikeouts on seven pitches. Woof. There's the Karen Check we know. And it was mostly fastballs. Uh, so, but Xavier Curry being able to hold this game down and not turn this into a full bullpen game and give you a, a somewhat of a start here. Xavier uh, Curry has to take home MVP on the day for me. Um, everybody contributed offensively, top to bottom of the lineup. It was great to see. Uh, so Curry gets MVP on the day. I think that the, the big lesson of the day is man, how important defense is. Right, bad defense can take a game and uh, really make it nuts out there. So that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Hey, I saw another purchase on the uh, spread shop. Somebody else went out and got themselves a little bit of merch. I think a coffee mug and a t-shirt. So if you are interested in some show merch, I dropped the prices as uh, basically as low as they go. It's Believe me, it's not for a profit. I just think it's fun to spread the show's name, get it out there. Hopefully someone walks up to you and goes, hey, what's Cleveland Baseball Mornings? And it starts a conversation. Premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, of course, for men, women's. We got kids' sizes. Show off your pride for Cleveland Baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. It's clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com, and it's in the show notes. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Coming up tomorrow, what is the matchup in Oakland? It is Bieber back on the mound against Sears, a lefty who's getting his first start for the Oakland Athletics. So we will be back to cover that. Another 940 start. Will Davey stay awake? Ah, Only time will tell. Uh, We'll be back to cover that one. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. There's a link in the show notes to leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. 